adjusting your life to your seasonality can be very powerful. And then yes, within the cadence of the day, the doshas are reflected. So we have certain periods of the day when we're at our best, and then we have certain periods of the day when we're just not gonna win, and we should just chill for those periods of the day. So knowing your dosha can be a very powerful tool in your toolkits, then you're like, you know what? I never win after six. I'm just gonna chill, it's okay. Hi, and welcome to the All Too Well podcast. I'm your host, Erica Huss. I'm a wellness entrepreneur, a wellness expert, and your wellness whisperer here to make your journey towards better health just a little more comfortable and a little less cringy. And I had the pleasure of talking to a master Ayurvedic practitioner, Dr. Shibane Gupta, who has decades of experience in this area. She has a master's in Ayurvedic sciences. She also has a PhD in turmeric, which might surprise you. I know it surprised me, Uh, but that just goes to show how much there actually is to know about the powers of turmeric, which I know was very buzzy a few years ago. And maybe you think it's fallen out of favor because other new fancy trendy supplements and herbs and spices have come more into the spotlight. But the reality is turmeric is actually one of those very foundational grounding uh, compounds that should really be a part of most people's, most people's routine. Um, We still, Newsflash, we're not doing much better uh, in the world of inflammation management as a culture. So anything that helps with inflammation is only going to do you one better. Uh, So we talked a bit about the principles, kind of the basics of Ayurveda, but for some people, you've heard me talk about some of these before. Others that are just joining us, maybe there's something new for you to learn about kind of the 101 principles. But we did also do a bit of a deeper dive because I was really curious to know how some of the dietary and lifestyle principles of Ayurveda can be applied on a regular basis, even while you are still maybe squarely rooted in more teachings and practices in Western medicine. And the reality is you can actually do both. And in many ways they do complement each other. So that was kind of a refreshing little discovery is that it's not actually as binary as it sounds. Um, And we certainly have our opinions on where Western medicine capabilities and powers stop and where Eastern principles really come into play, but it is a bit of a sliding scale. So anyway, without further delay, I encourage you to enjoy my chat with Dr. Shivani Gupta. And one thing to note is that listeners of this episode are able to get a pretty sweet 15% discount at her site, which is fusionaryformulas.com. If you go to fusionaryformulas.com and enter the code all too well, you will get 15% off your order. So that's fun. Enjoy my chat with Dr. Shivani Gupta. So let's let's get going. Welcome to you, cool. Shivani Gupta, Dr. Shivani Gupta. Uh, you're an Ayurvedic practitioner uh, here and in India. Is that correct? I'm an Ayurvedic practitioner here, but I studied it in India and okay. here. Um, and you have a PhD in turmeric, which I'm very, very interested in discussing. But welcome and thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, so I'm excited to talk about the work that you're doing with Ayurveda, with turmeric specifically. Um, I think that, you know, there's sort of a vast range of knowledge and understanding that people have of what Ayurveda is, what it isn't. I've done a couple of episodes. I've interviewed some Ayurvedic experts uh, around the just the basic principles, talking about doshas and some of the 
the key things that all of us in the Western world who don't necessarily live the lifestyle all the time can incorporate. Uh, so I would love to cover kind of the broad strokes with you on a general level as a refresher for people, but then really dig into some more of the of the tools and the practices uh, on on a, on a next level because I think that that is you know that's useful and, and helpful information for people to have. Absolutely. So yeah, so Ayurveda is this ancient system of medicine that's over 5,000 years old. And under that umbrella of Ayurveda, we have a lot of different lifestyle practices that can help us bring body, mind, and spirit into alignment. And what I love about Ayurveda, it's this lifestyle of moderation. So our goal is to help you build that incredible health and then keep that rhythm for the rest of your life. So we teach circadian rhythm. We teach about the gut digestive fire. We teach about the doshas, which is your individual mind-body constitution, like your way of walking the earth that's custom to you. It's almost like a personality quiz. We teach about detoxification, eating seasonally, living seasonally, how to eat, when to eat. We teach about the super spices. That's the herbs from from Ayurveda that are so potent. They're the new superfoods, in my opinion. And we teach a lot about how to use self-care rituals on a daily basis to detox the body on a daily in your daily life so that you can build that health that you want and that vibrant health that you want. Yeah, there's a lot there. I know my dosha. I know <laughs> I know I'm a heavy vata with like a little sprinkle of Pitta, which is not a great combination, I think. That that means that I'm generally cold and cranky. Is that right? (laughs) It can mean that. It can. But if you're balanced, it's okay. It's okay. We we, we are all ever striving for that balance, right? Right, right. And it is all about balance. And it's true that uh, over the course of our, our balance kind of changes, right? Our dosha balance changes. Is that subject to season or can it change over the course of the day? Like how flexible or, or sensitive is that system of balance? So, you know, you're born with your dosha, you're born with a certain template. And then what happens is everyone has these life experiences. Some people have traumas, huge shifts. For me, it was having kids that can kind of shift us into this different phase of life. So I was born a very fit that person and was like this rock star entrepreneur doing all the things. Then I had kids and it suddenly like shifted my gear and I went into like guffa mode and became very like mother earth, nurturing, loving, caretaking the world. And then finally, when I wanted to just get back to me and like fire energy, it it took a lot of shifting to calibrate back towards my dosha. And then within our doshas, there is seasonality. So as a pitta person, the summer can really exacerbate your pitta dosha because it's overheating and you're already this like fire energy. So adjusting your life to your seasonality can be very powerful. When I take a year and I take the summer down a couple notches in terms of my intensity, then I'm more successful the other nine months of the year. And then, yes, within the cadence of the day, the doshas are reflected. So we have certain periods of the day when we're at our best, and then we have certain periods of the day when we're just not going to win, and we should just chill for those periods of the day. So knowing your dosha can be a very powerful tool in your toolkits. Then you're like, you know what? I never win after six. I'm just going to chill. It's okay. No, it's that's right. so that's so interesting. It's so relevant. I think many people, and it also depends, I guess, on what vernacular you apply to it. But many people say that you know they're a morning person. They feel most energized in the morning. They get the most stuff done, and then after three p.m., they're completely useless. Other people are total night owls. I definitely fall into the former camp. I have my most productive thought and uh, creativity comes to me more easily in the morning. I don't have to 
work for it as hard. Uh, but then I do have a little sure. window towards the end of the day. But sorry, w- before we before we dig into some of this stuff, can you just do a quick refresher on the three doshas and what some of the, the most prominent characteristics are for people to, to kind of just refresh themselves and put themselves in their little categories? Sure. So a vata person is more air and ether. Those are the natures of elements that are driving the vata person, the vata character type or body type. And vata people tend to be thin and wiry, bony, long features, long face, thin wrists, things like that, more um, airy in their body. They tend to have a mind that goes 100 miles a minute, so very energized or bunny. Um, they tend have a tendency towards anxiety, disrupted sleep, disrupted gut as well, like indigestion, bloating, and these kinds of things. Um, and about the person on the positive is very creative. They're the artists. They're the ones who can come up with all the creative ideas of the world. Then you have the bitta person. Bitta is fire with some water. So this is a fiery type of person and all fire words apply. So they are ambitious and ignited and they tend to explode. They tend to be medium bodied, have a tendency towards redness, like red skin, reddish face. So anyone who's like red, you're like, oh, bitta. Um, they tend to have early graying. Yeah. And tend to have people what? tend to get angry. Early graying, like we're so intense, like our, even our hair grows gray early. Um, we have this hangryness to us. Like we get hangry because we have this digestive fire that's just going to churn and burn. So we have a tendency towards weight gain because we have a tendency to eat too much. And then a bit the person will tend to like explode on the people around them. So their relationships melting down, burning out are kind of the negatives. The positives are we have a lot of energy. So we're like that, that train that can just keep going. And then a kapha person tends to be of the earth. So this is like a bigger bone person, stronger. They can lift heavier. They have more round features. So like curly hair, big round eyes. Um, Their energy is more like caretaker, nurturer, uh, one thing at a time. That's like one action at a time, one thought at a time. Mm. Like let's say you're a pitta married to a kapha spouse. That could be hard because you're like, get moving. Why aren't you moving? (laughs) Um, but kapha people will have slower digestion. They'll have beautiful sleep, but their metabolism is not going to be what everyone else's is. And modern day society kind of wants everyone to go 200 miles an hour. And so the kapha person really needs that understanding of, you know what, you're going to get home and sit on the couch and you're not going to get up and that's okay. Like your Mm -hmm. dosha is what it is and you can leverage your dosha to be your best you. Um, and so I really like to honor that each dosha is so different because kapha is that earth water energy. And so if you fit into one of those three categories and you're saying, well, I fit into two, we tend to have a primary dosha and a secondary dosha. And sometimes it really comes down to the nuance of are you physically, mentally, emotionally, which one are you fitting in and where do we need to balance you to get you back to where you were at birth, your original dosha. Mm-hmm. And that's where you start to feel like you're at home in your body and you feel vibrant. And my goal for everyone is let's bring body, mind, and spirit into alignment so that everything we want comes towards us because we're feeling like we magnetize everything because we feel our absolute best. We're in that vibration of total health. I love that. And I'm listening to you talk. I'm like, I have zero kapha in me at all. And all the things you described about vata and pitta are so on point that it makes me feel uncomfortable and slightly embarrassed. And... (laughs) That's okay. But, Your homework but, is easy. I like that you say that at some point you have to not resist it. You have to kind of lean into it because what is the point of trying to fight what your actual true nature is? Exactly. Yeah. Enjoy it. Leverage it. Okay. 
try to leverage that. But so how do you, um, how do you leverage? And I know it has to do with some of the, the tools and the practices, whether it's dietary or supplements. And I want to talk about all of those things, but, but for example, when you say that, you know, like I know a Vata personality tends to be very, um, anxious and nervous, that's not something that you don't generally want to lean into. So what is the mindset that you have to adopt to say, okay, well, I know that I'm fiery and anxious and sometimes kind of bitchy and I need to embrace, like, how do you think about that in more positive terms so that you can embrace it and, and support that? It's a great question. So the Vata mindset could be, I am, I am like a, a Ferrari. I go real fast and that's the benefit I have to my dosha. I can actually survive on pretty much no food. The Vata crew is like, I had my green juice. I had my tea. I had my hummus and crackers and I'm fine. You don't even have to stop for big meals like the Pitta crew. So you can look at it as, you know what? I have the benefit of being the creative and the artist. I'm going to lean into that. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, but I'm going to equally invest in my grounding techniques and I'm going to make those my homework. So Vata's prescription is three solid meals a day on a scheduled routine, which goes against like all Vata nature. But once you build that in, all of a sudden your Vata will just settle and you'll be only the best parts of your Vata mm. self. Vata should ground in nature, like feet in the grass, earthing. Vata should avoid too much movement in the Vata type seasons. So when you're in your season of like fall, instead of running around, settle down, like mm. tune into the season and enjoy the grounding aspects of fall. A bit that person, we tend to get overheated and explode. So we have to behave like we're a nuclear reactor. So I literally look at myself like, hey, in the rhythm of your day, where are you hydrating? Cooling teas, coconut water, don't overheat yourself, manage accordingly. If you're going to work out and invest in all that heating, what's the cool down? Oh, you're getting angry at the end of the day? That's hangry. Please stop. Don't explode on children settle down and eat something. So really building the rhythm around food and the foods you eat, like more mm -hmm. yogurt, more rice. Like there are certain cooling foods that have a cooling internal effect. And Ayurveda teaches us how to use those. And then Gaffa, Gaffa has got to move every day. Gaffa is the energy of earth. So you, it has to get into motion so then it can stay in motion. Mm -hmm. And then once it's stayed in that motion, when it stops, it's, it's a hard stop. It's a brick mm -hmm. wall. And so honoring, like your day is going to end and don't follow trends. I know society says we should hustle and grind and 24 seven and push through weekends. That's not what Ayurveda teaches. Ayurveda mm -hmm. says, let's, let's honor who we are. Let's stay balanced within who we are. Let's love ourselves enough to take care of ourselves with such love. And that is thriving and that's mm -hmm. enough. Yeah. So that's really the key message from Ayurveda is, is you do you and with such love that in the end, you get everything anyway. I love that. Okay. Well, I'm, I think officially my dosha title is hangry vata because <laughs> I, I have just that. enough pitta in me that I definitely need to eat. If I don't, I get super cranky. Uh, I'm no. not the one who can just get so absorbed in my creativity that our, you know, meals pass and I don't even notice that it's 100% not me. So yeah. It's the little nuance, right? It's it's the uh, yes. <laughs> it's those little ingredients yeah. that make us who we are. Um, okay. So on the food direction, again, this is more of a personally motivated question, but I feel like you can speak to it in a broader way. Uh, there is a lot that we can learn from Ayurvedic foods and cooking techniques. A lot of it has to do with 
well, I guess it depends on your dosha, but so much of it has to do, uh, for me at least personally, with cooking foods and things that are warm and heating. Because if you have, if you're somebody who has a tendency towards vata, that means you're constantly feeling cold, all true. Uh, and it's been recommended as much as I was once in the green juice business, no green juice, no salad, this is bad for you. Uh, unless it's your season, all of that. But there is a lot of overlap, right? There's a lot of overlapping ingredients, overlapping spices and healing herbs and all of that. But then where does, and this is kind of a meandering question, but where does the influence or the the blueprint, if you will, of your Western diet and mind and body kind of... come into play or contradict because just, just as an example, I was really interested in, in trying to incorporate more Ayurvedic food and principles into my diet for all of these reasons, because I used to have really tough, you know, digestive issues. And a lot of that stuff has certainly been, you know, improved dramatically, which is amazing. Um, but like coconut oil, for example, I love it. I love the taste of it. I love the flavor. I would cook with it all the time. I was like, oh, this is really good for my healing and keeping things warm and juicy and all that. And then my cholesterol went nuts. And my doctor was like, and my doctor, who is actually also practices Ayurveda, and she was like, You're not a good candidate for coconut oil. You need to lay off of that. I was like, Well, okay, how does that happen? What's what is I like, what is that about? And how do you how do you reconcile these two things? Sure. You know, it's, that's a complex question because we're also bio-individual and that's the tough part is you have to work alongside a practitioner. Nowadays, when I get an Ayurvedic client, like I do private Ayurvedic consultations and I have a six week program. When I built my program, I was like, this will be great. Like everyone will just do the six modules and the whole world will be healed and it'll be great. And what I've learned, it takes humility and time before you really get your wisdom. I find, um, now I, I recognize when someone comes to me, they're coming with a complex issue. And a lot of times they've tried a lot of different systems to try to heal it and they haven't won yet. So that bio-individual like, hey, we're going to try coconut oil, but you know what? It didn't work for you. Now we're moving to high quality olive oil or avocado oil or mustard oil or sesame oil. And maybe it has to be three of them. I find that in the West, we want the magic pill. We want like, just give me the solution and make it easy and make it a formula and tell me what to do. And unfortunately, the real answer, the truest answer is, sorry, it's not simple. But yes, can I write out an IRB the blueprint for you that we're going to try and test? Absolutely. And there are some practices that are across the board, like the Ayurvedic self-care rituals, tongue scraping, oil pulling, abhyang massage, dry brushing. Those are for everybody. Pretty much everyone can benefit from it. But you do have to kind of drill down into, okay, you are suffering with vata imbalance. Guess what? 90% of the world is vata imbalanced, especially in the West. It's a tendency for all of us because we're consuming social media. We're going 200 miles miles an hour. So this Vata mind needs support for each and every one of us, myself included. So I have to literally say, put the phone down. That's not what we're doing right now. Go in nature, 45 minutes a day. You must move. You must allow nature to heal you and clean and clear. You must get your feet in the grass. Like we have to tune into mother earth and let her balance us. We must eat three grounding meals a day with healthy fats. Like we can't skip the healthy fats just because many of us in the eighties got programmed with like no fat, no fat. 
We have to bring back the things that are so nourishing and bring us back to whole. I think where it's dichotomous and problematic is in modern day times, we're trying to be everything and do everything. I am trying to be an entrepreneur, grow a supplement company, teach Ayurveda and raise beautiful, healthy kids and be beautiful and healthy myself and be a good wife. And then there's community on top. So that's a setup for a Vata imbalance. And so instead of just getting imbalanced, which is the tendency, where can we just put the brakes on and slow down life and focus on just what we can do and build that gratitude, that little bit of slow life doesn't have to be a slow life, but the practices that are so grounding every day that we are honoring a nourishing self and thus we can accomplish everything. Like thus we have that space to accomplish everything that we want to accomplish. Okay. I'll take that to heart. I like it. Um, but I do, I appreciate <laughs> that you say, and we talked a little bit about this right before we started recording, this whole concept of, you know, the, the the dialogue between Eastern and Western medicine is so broken in so many ways. And Western wow. medicine, they ha- it, it has its place for broken bones and emergencies and car accidents. Coconut oil is not going to save you. But no. we do tend to rely too heavily on advice of doctors that are not looking holistically, that are referring back to medical journals and books from 30 years ago when there's been so much research and development since then, and they don't have the time or the incentive to actually keep current with things because that's not how our system is built. But you are actually going to advocate that you work alongside a Western practitioner to keep your bio metrics and bio, what, what was the word you used? The bio individuality. Bio individual. In yeah. check, right. Along with your yeah. Ayurvedic practitioner. Yeah. You know, I think Western medicine we know is so great at what they're good at. And I think we are as a society, including Western MDs, I think there's so many out there who are like, you know, I actually had a health crisis and I couldn't solve it using my old toolkit. And that made me realize I needed a new one. And so that's why functional medicine has been born is it's like, it's like we're trying to quickly, they're trying to quickly figure out how to support us at the level we need to build optimal health nowadays. And so I partner alongside a number of functional medicine doctors. I have an MD one, an acupuncture one, like wherever I need the patient to be supported, I'm referring to functional medicine to dive into stool test, hormone test, heavy metal test, food intolerance test, all these testings. And then I support with Ayurveda because what I find is you can go to functional medicine and get all your data. You can figure out exactly what's wrong with you and they can give you recommendations for how to fix you using supplements, diet, and lifestyle. But really the lifestyle recommendations they're making that you need to do to hold whatever result you create, that comes from Ayurveda. And I've had that experience too. I've, I've gone to functional medicine for years. I fix all the problems. I'm like, perfect, we fixed it. You don't get to maintain your result unless you're holding with a lifestyle and diet that will keep that result. And so that's my goal is to teach that piece of it so we can maintain the healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier some of the, speaking of lifestyle, some of the the lifestyle interventions that have less to do with diet and more to do with these daily practices that 
apply to everybody, which I think is useful yep. because some people feel like they don't want to put themselves into a category and a bucket and maybe it's not necessarily things that feel like they resonate. But what are some of the things that you started to mention? You were talking about dry brushing and tongue scraping and oil pulling, all of which I've done and I'm fascinated by all of them. And it's one of those things that when I do it, I feel great and then it falls away like every other routine. And now that we're talking about it, I want to get back into it. But can you can you share a bit about those practices? Sure. And, and you know what? We all fall out of our routines. And my goal is to show everyone how, how to use the tools. And then you'll crave doing them so much that when you start to feel like crap, you'll just reach back into the toolkit because we're human. We're going to do that. We're going to fall on and off our ritual. I do too. Um, but the Ayurvedic self-care rituals are these 12 rituals that we teach for daily application, daily use to detox daily and build up our health. The first one is waking up in the morning and hydrating. So people talk about that, but we teach to have a copper-lined cup, preferably, sitting on your nightstand with water. So you make sure that you hydrate first thing in the morning. Then going and doing your morning meditation. Then Wait, we why does the cup have to be – sorry to interrupt, but why does the cup have to be copper-lined? It doesn't have to be. It's just in Ayurveda, we love copper. It's an antibacterial metal. It has its own benefits when it comes to remineralization. And we know nowadays our food is lacking in so many minerals. So unless you're high copper, which some people are, most people can have copper lined cups. We recommend copper tongue scrapers. We oh. use copper a lot in Ayurveda. Okay. So whether it's copper lined or any jug that's covered, get that water, get that hydration in first. Because why? Your bowel movement and your digestion is like the biggest focus from Ayurveda. So if you hydrate first thing, you're going to have a great bowel movement, which is like your first accomplishment of the day. If you can walk, go, if you can meditate or go for a morning walk, that's amazing. Something to kind of tune in and set that intention for the day is important. And then we teach something called tongue scraping. So after you brush your teeth, you can scrape your tongue gently seven to 14 times using a metal tongue scraper. We teach to use a copper tongue scraper or steel is fine as well. But, but gently scraping the tongue is going to detox all the organs of the body because according to Ayurveda, all the organs of the body are reflected on the tongue, just like in reflexology, they're reflected on the bottom of the feet. And so by doing that, you're going to remove this white film that exists on the tongue that indicates toxins or ama, what we call ama in the body. This toxin residue that forms within us is reflected on the tongue. And it'll increase your taste buds' ability to taste your food again because you'll kind of be cleansing the taste buds as well. So tongue scraper is kind of the easiest, cheapest, simplest tool from Ayurveda to just get started on. And you'll see over time, you'll never want to forget it because your mouthfeel won't feel as good. Mm. Um, but it's a way to detox. So you don't have to do those big annual detoxes as much. You can be accomplishing it for free on a daily basis. Then we recommend oil pulling. So you recommend, you mentioned coconut oil. Oil pulling is this practice of taking two tablespoons of oil, put it in your mouth, Swish it around or move it around. You can even hold it in there for five to 20 minutes. What I love about this is you can multitask. You can shower, get dressed, make your coffee. You can do a lot of things with your mouth closed. Um, but at the end, really swish it around your gums and everywhere. And when you spit it out, spit it into a trash can, not your sink, toilet, or shower because you mm. will clog your pipes. And so what this is going to do is it's really going to clean up your oral health. Your oral microbiome is tied to your gut microbiome. We know our oral health and gingivitis is tied to our heart health. And so just this simple practice of oil pulling with sesame oil, which is our favorite in Ayurveda, untoasted sesame oil, or you can use coconut oil, olive oil, any food-grade organic oil, is a simple practice to also detox. 
and it's going to support the body and the whole digestive system as well. So, and so we have a lot of things like that. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, I had, I uh, got gifted um, a specific oil blend that was for oil pulling. This is a few years ago. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. nothing ever came of that company because, it, and I was upset because after I used it, I was like, oh, I need more of this. It tasted so good. It was a balance of sesame oil. I think it had a little bit of cinnamon in it or something. It was really, really beautiful. Nice. And um, I loved doing that. I it took a little practice, took some getting used to, because walking around with that much liquid in your mouth for that long can become a bit cumbersome. But actually, I think that what I was told was that you do it, am I wrong? But I, I was told to do it before brushing because it would draw out even more of whatever you were about to brush away. Is that, is that not accurate? You can, you can do it right before because I always brush again after oil pulling. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, if you can do it so before, either way, you want to brush afterwards, and it's up to you if you want to brush before. I say, okay. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and again, not an expensive thing. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. You can make your own blend at home. It doesn't have to be something from a fancy company that went out of business. <laughs> no, it can just be food grade oil out of the kitchen. Like I just buy organic sesame oil for a couple bucks and use it for that. Use it for that and a lot of other things because we love oil for abhyung massage and different things as well. Okay, so yeah. what's next? So what's next? Um, After that, typically we go into dry brushing. Dry brushing is taking any good dry brush and dry brushing from the feet all the way up to the neck. You go in long strokes towards your lymphatic node areas, which is like the groin and the armpits. And you go in circular motions around your joints and around your stomach. But what that's going to do is it's going to move the lymph. So I like to do dry brushing and uphyung at night because then it's preparation for better detox during my sleep. And so dry brushing is a beautiful habit. You can do it in bed. I usually just put a towel down on the floor and do it there because you're going to slough off your dead skin cells. And then a young massage is a beautiful, healthy habit from Ayurveda. It's a self-massage of the body. And so what we teach is you can sit sit down on a towel in your bathroom or your bedroom and you soak the body in oil. Like you're going to massage oil into your body from your feet all the way up to your neck. You're going to put oil where the sun don't shine, like between your toes and the side of the ankles, all these places that get dry and sad, your heels. Um, But the body's going to soak up the oil. And so the the skin is the largest organ of the body and this is a very vata balancing practice because so many of us are running around all day, but just to take five minutes and put this oil onto the body is going to soak into our joints, soak into our skin, create oiliation of the body, ground us. If you put it on the tops of your feet, it'll improve the quality of your sleep. And it's just such a a simple way to invest in a better night's sleep. So you can warm up the oil or use it at room temp. Again, organic food-grade oil. We prefer sesame oil because it has vitamin E and a lot of antibacterial and different properties. And then I usually take a shower after. And on the nights I do that, I get the best sleep. And it doesn't have to be an everyday practice. It can be occasional. It can be three or four days a week. Um, But whatever you can do, it's a very powerful grounding tool. Mm, I love that. It sounds so indulgent and luxurious and delightful. But again, to your point, I mean, this is everything you're describing, it all sounds like the ultimate definition of self-care, really, really careful care of the self, but it also sounds very time-consuming. So you are saying it's not necessarily, these aren't things that you have to do every day. The more you can do them, the better, but it's not going to, you're not going to mess it up by not doing it every day. No, sometimes I just, on the weekend, I'm like, you know what? We're doing nothing. No one's doing anything. I'm going to go do my Ayurvedic self-care. It's like my investment in a better week ahead. 
And then I feel more whole, more nourished. I find because we're so all over the place nowadays, if we're not actively investing in self-care and grounding, we're further all over the place, like a vata mind. And then we never win because we're just, we're scattered. Yeah. And so my goal is to bring everyone back to like, let's get balanced. Let's get whole. I teach something called tea time is me time as one of the self-care rituals. If we can pause and just drink tea a few times a day and ask mm-hmm. ourselves some basic questions like, how do you feel right now? What do you need to change in your schedule right now so you can survive today? When are you eating? Or did you just plan to run around and never eat? Mm-hmm. Just asking our intuition basic questions allows us to our intuition to really start driving the car, driving this vehicle, this body, and helping us make the best decisions for ourselves. So it's not outside in, it's inside out. Yeah. And that's really the power of Ayurveda is let's become really intuitive beings and constantly give ourselves and our closest community around us the best that we can. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so nice. I love it. And that was a beautiful tea mug that you just held up too. Um, Thanks. uh, Yeah, it's gorgeous. I like, I I collect little teapots and things like that. Um, So let's talk about supplements. I know that you yourself have a supplement line and I'm also really interested to understand what is involved in having a PhD in turmeric because I know there are people who have expertise in a lot of areas, but that seems quite specific. So can you, let's talk about this. Sure. So I was doing my master's in Ayurvedic sciences and my whole goal was to write books to change the world. I was like, if everyone just understood Ayurveda and everyone got it, like we wouldn't have chronic disease. We wouldn't have diabetes the way my family has it. Um, So I'm sitting in Ayurveda school and I'm in herbology class and my teacher is rattling off the benefits of each spice. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm Indian and I eat all these spices. Like I eat cumin every day. I eat red chili powder and, and cilantro every day. Like that's so cool. Our diet is literally this Ayurvedic healing, gut healing diet. And then when they got to turmeric, I was like, whoa, this one spice has all that benefit. It could have saved my family. Like why are we not using turmeric in the right way when all of Western medicine is giving us NSAIDs and all this stuff and turmeric could have done it? Like, why has no one proven the point yet? Like, someone should prove this. And so I ended up embarking on my PhD on turmeric, which means years of just studying the science. And that was in 2018 that I finished my dissertation. And there's been thousands of studies published since. So I was now say, when I speak I mean, on in the last six, yeah. you said six years. I mean, I feel like it's in the last... <sighs> Six to eight years that turmeric has become part of our national conversation. Like when my mom is emailing me asking me about which supplement she should get because she saw it on the Today Show, I'm like, okay, this has reached this has reached mass conversation yeah. level, which is great. But anyway, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, it has, and and, and that's what's so cool is is it's it's becoming part of the daily conversation. And turmeric has such potent benefits. It's a very powerful anti-inflammatory. And we're taking a lot of things to deal with inflammation. We're taking a lot of superfoods to deal with inflammation. Then it's a powerful antioxidant and it goes after the different things causing oxidation in the system. So it's going to prevent the oxidation that makes us feel old and rusty and slow and tired over time. Then it's antibacterial, antifungal, and antiviral. And so for a girl who always needed an immune system that was supported, I was like, turmeric is going to support my immune system, I'm in. Then it's also a very powerful anti-aging tool. Like it is, it affects autophagy, our sirtuins, our telomeres, all these like longevity markers in mm-hmm. the body. So when we talk about, oh, I'm aging, I need to put more superfoods in place. I'm like, instead of spending hundreds of bucks on superfoods, 
turmeric is going to do the job. I'm just going to take my turmeric. And so eight years ago when I finished, my family was like, are you going to tell everyone to take turmeric forever? Because if you are, you should just make your own. And I said, Mm -hmm. well, I'll make my own, but only if I know it's better than everyone else's. Otherwise, I'll just take other people's. That's a big project. And my hypothesis was, can I create a curcumin that's as effective as NSAIDs so orthopedic surgeons will use it for joint pain, which is kind of like a really big mountain. I didn't realize the mountain I was choosing was kind of the toughest one. It's like picking Everest as your like life project. But it's been fun because I did prove my point over eight years. You can replace your joint pain solutions using turmeric. And so I have two formulas, the turmeric gold and the inflammation relief. And then since then, I, I really realized people were starting to take my pill for the problem. Mm. And I got frustrated and I realized, well, I need to teach Ayurveda overall and teach that the lifestyle piece is how you get off taking turmeric. You don't have to take it forever. Um, and so within my supplement company, I'm always just formulating whatever people need. So the turmeric works. Then I fixed sleep. I wanted sleep solutions and a sleep tea that works. Now the biggest complaint I get is menopause and women's health. So I'm mm-hmm. diving into like a menopause tea, hormone support tea, perimenopause, um, stress and anxiety. I'm building a new adaptogenic formula from Ayurveda. So my passion is like, how do I leverage the most potent spices out of like the plant magic that Mother Earth gave us, but then put it in a form that people will use, whether it's Mm -hmm. like a tea or a supplement. And once we get the result, once we're balanced, okay, you're feeling better. Let's talk about some lifestyle change because it's Mm -hmm. the lifestyle change that's going to hold the result and then reverse whatever the issue is. And so I like to do both. Well, and to your point, you're saying people are taking your pill for the problem and the reality or the goal, I guess, with Ayurveda as as much as along with other Eastern medicines and alternative medicine is let's address the root cause so you don't have a problem that needs a pill in the first place, but you just, let's let's stave off the problem. Uh, And I think that that is also still a mindset shift that we in the West really do need help with is it's not about fixing problems. It's about preventing them from occurring in the first place. Um, exactly. My question about the the tumor the tumor specifically is, I think I was on a tear with it for a long time, and as you're talking, I realize that I don't really take it as a supplement anymore. I do use it a lot in cooking. I love to make, especially in the winter, I make a ton of soups and I use it constantly there. But I don't think I'm consuming quite the same amount as when I was supplementing with it. But do you feel that there is like what is the difference in bioavailability with? eating it as a spice versus eating it in a, taking it as a supplement pill versus is there an oil or is there another delivery system? Like I have my skepticism about certain pills. I feel like there's just no way that all of that is actually getting absorbed before it's, you know, being eliminated. So what, what's your take on all of that? Sure. So yeah, this is where potency matters, who makes it matters. A lot of times in the supplement world, people are making things to make a buck and there's a high margin in supplements. If you make them cheap and abroad and all that stuff. But if you make them right and here in the US and really do the third-party testing and the potency, which is where I'm coming from, my goal was to give it to Western medicine and give them a solution they could trust like their other tools. So they'd use it in their same toolkit. Um, When it comes to turmeric, only 3% of the turmeric plant is the curcuminoids. And out of those curcuminoids, only the one curcumin is the most effective at reducing inflammation. So when we're buying it raw, we're getting some benefits. A lot of people say, I juice my turmeric. And I say, please use black pepper or a healthy fat so you're absorbing it. 
Mm. And when you take that raw plant and you dry it into the spice, it becomes much more potent, which is why we all use turmeric the spice. But again, black fat, black pepper or a healthy fat is mandatory for that absorption. Mm. And then when we move into the supplement world, yeah, we shouldn't all take 60 capsules a day. I do mix it up. I take some things in tea form. I take my veggie caps for the things that I need to. I'll add on um, oils sometimes or liquid formulas as well. I mix it up and I try to spread them out throughout the day. But turmeric has such a fast uptake because there's so many receptors in the body that can receive it and use it. So we do recommend spreading it out over twice a day and then finding a company you trust. Because again, there's a lot of junk that's made without the regard for the patient in mind where people are just making something to make it because it's trendy. So a lot of times I look at supplement labels and I'm like, oh my God, you guys, you didn't do black pepper. You didn't do a healthy fat Mm -hmm. and you're giving them regular turmeric powder. Like, what is that? Turmeric powder is three bucks for a big bag. Like, don't waste our time and stuff that in a veggie cap. Give someone the full 500 milligrams of curcumin with the black pepper extract at the exact ratio to drive the result. Mm. And then that's when we're getting significant results. Like, when I take a vitamin D, I want to know it's going to work. And so I really do invest in doctor's level supplements so that I'm taking the best and then I get the results. Yeah. I mean, that's unfortunately, there's so much out there. You know, Amazon will serve you up 30 different varieties of a turmeric supplement. And most of them, to your point, are basically just a little bit of spice powder that you could get from your, you know, your spice rack as opposed to the right compound. And it's unfortunate, but we do have to spend up on some most supplements. There's very few, I think, that there's equivalency across price points. Uh, and this certainly, especially when you're talking about the potency of herbs, is absolutely one of them. So that's good to know. And it's good to know that you are behind one of the the trustworthy brands and you've got your own you've got your own line, uh, which I think is it's great when people can talk the talk and and then actually produce the the product as opposed to selling, you know, hawking someone else's crap. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of private labeling and all that happening to me. uh, My goal is to change the world. And so it's very intentional that I select every supplier. I'm leaving for India in a few weeks just to meet the supplier team again and really see, can we R&D and create new things like what's out there? How can I create even more bioavailability? Can I, you know, like I'm, I'm constantly trying to push for the result to the point that they're like, Shivani, nothing else can go in the pill. Like you can't do more. I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, just a couple more milligrams. Let's go. And they're like, nope, (laughs) sorry, you can't. So, So my goal is just to create change. Like how do we get the result? We can't be an inflamed society chronically having this chronic low-grade persistent inflammation. And then we as women are hitting each decade of our life as if it's a train hitting a wall. And we're like, why is perimenopause suck? Why does menopause suck? Why does fertility suck? Why does everything suck? Well, it's because we're inflamed. So we have to create the change and we have to find our own solutions. I love it. I love it. This is so inspiring. And now I'm really literally going to go make a turmeric latte with some good oil and black pepper in it. Nice. Good job. Um, So where can people find all of your good stuff and more resources if they want from you? For sure. So my website is shivanigupta.com, S-H-I-V-A-N-I. Gupta, everyone knows, is G-U-P-T-A.com. And I'm at dr.shivanigupta on Instagram. My other website is fusionaryformulas.com for the supplements. It's F-U-S-I-O-N-A-R-Y, formulas.com. And it's the same on social. And I have the Fusionary Health podcast as well for integrative health. And my code for your listeners today is all too well equals 15% off if they'd like to try Fusionary. 
Fantastic. I love it. So go to check out all of that and use the code all too well. And thank you so much for sharing this. This has been such a fun and fascinating journey into Ayurveda. And again, some really, really meaningful and real takeaways here. So I always appreciate that. Thank you. This was so much fun. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to All Too Well, guys. And as always, I am accepting stars, reviews, all of the above. They don't cost you anything and they mean a lot to me. So if you do have time, head on over to Apple Podcasts and throw me a few stars and, uh, you know, just do a good turn. Thanks. Thanks.